I'm going to take a second to thank our newest sponsor, ATO Basketball Merchants, located directly at the Langley Event Center at 7888 Street. In building number 120, our boy Jeff Winslade has a wide variety of the latest gear, jerseys, sweatpants, socks, hats, fitted, doesn't matter, a huge shoe rack, anything you need if you're a hooper and a hoop head. Please stop by the store, show some support, and get yourself some fly gear. If anyone wants, I'm a double XL, and I'll take that Rex Chapman Hornets in white. Thanks to ATO B-Ball. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to A Hoops Journey. If our listeners out there today are disappointed because they hear a little bit of fan noise in the background, I am not apologizing. It's uh, 27 degrees. I'm on the third level of my townhouse. I'm a big boy these days, and uh, Corbs will do the best he can with his editing skills, but I think it has a correlation to do with the episode that we're about to give you today. I don't want to say a guy that maybe has been forgotten about. It just really depends on your vintage, and my vintage is right in the heart of this guy's career. I was starting my teaching career, just finishing up my university career. And if you saw the name before and you're wondering, where do I recognize that from? You're probably thinking of Montreal. You're thinking of a small division one school ish. And then you're like, okay, I'm going to go on a Google. And then you look it up on Google and you go, holy smokes, 24 and 11 in his senior year at the division one level uh, leads Niagara to the NCAA tournament. And from what I've heard and the people that have recommended to get him on, an amazing guy. I've seen him on a couple of interviews. I'm thrilled to get to know more about his story. A guy that I watched from afar. We're super happy to have episode number 94. If you're still rolling with us, thank you. It's hard to believe we're here, but we have Mr. Juan Mendez with us today. How are you, sir? Good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. We are excited. How's life for you? What We're in the middle of probably the, the hottest week we'll get all summer. Um, to get over 30 in Vancouver is is kind of nutty, and it's supposed to climb to about 35. I'm a high school teacher in the middle of summer holidays um, between chasing my almost six-year-old around. And how about you, man? How's life for you and your family and friends? And and uh, what's life saying for you these days? Uh, well, look, li- life is good for me right now. I'm, I'm working on a project that we'll talk about. Uh, keep that on pause until it, uh, it gets going. But Fair enough. Everything is working. I can't complain. Um, life is good. People around me support. Obviously, I always get great support from uh, my people here in Montreal. Um, my family doing great. Two kids, a girl eight years old and a boy of uh, going to be 11 months. So, I Ooh. mean, look, I'm happy. Your hands are full. <laughs> yeah. And your heart. Not bad. Not yeah. bad at all. Everything is great on this side of, uh, of the world. So, it's good. Good. And like we just talked about before I hit record here, another another Montreal Hooper, which is super dope. Because I feel like there's a portion I'm trying so hard to get people from Saskatchewan, Manitoba to jump in. And there's, you know, people, not everyone is comfortable with jumping on a platform and sharing a story like this. But I feel like at times we talk about BC and maybe Ontario and maybe just Ontario, you know, and that's no disrespect to anybody. But the cool part of this project and this podcast is bringing out the stories. And you're another guy from Montreal coming out. And it's awesome. So thanks for being with us and um, let's do it, man. Let's get into it. Tell us about yourself as a young guy growing up, um, what your childhood was like and sort of 
you know, what sports you played and, and how basketball sort of came around for you. Perfect. One, I just want to say thank you for having me on. Um, this is a great uh, way to express what I've been through and my journey. And you guys do a great job of sharing that. So I appreciate that first and foremost. So basically my, my journey started at uh, here in Montreal, inner city kid, um, loving the game of football, surprisingly. Okay, so I started off by playing football at the age of like 11 years old. Fell in love with the physicality of it, hence the way I used to play when, when I was a player. <laughs> and as, at the same time, I started playing for Sun Youth, an organization, profit organization that, that, that I used to play football. And then all of a sudden, I started growing at the age of 12. Uh, I just shot up. I was like maybe 5'11". At 13, 14, I was already 6'3", six, 6'4". Six, yeah. Were you big too? Because you like you're you big boy, or were you kind of lean still? I was I was lean. I was yeah. fairly. Lean. I had an, an opportunity. I was playing uh, basketball at the YMCA. Now, a lot of people don't know this side of the story because you know people listen to someone's story, they always think about the successes, but there's always failures. There's usually more success at you know at the end of the tunnel. But I got kicked out of high school, and I was gonna get sent to an alternative school at the age of twelve. Mm. I did. I. I I wasn't, I wasn't ready for that. I didn't want to do it. So in my house, there was a basement, right? And I used to stay in the basement during the course of the year. My, and I wasn't going to school. Mm-hmm. So I do in the mornings so I could, you know, so it's time to fly. I'll go to the gym and play basketball, right? right? So this is one of my skills at 12, 13 years old. So what I did was, okay, I said, you know what? Let me, let me jump on this YMCA basketball team that they have going. I was growing, 6364, like I said. And yeah, I just started playing, and I, I fell in love with the game. Once I fell in love with the game, I met this guy named Adrian. I'll never forget him. He came to the gym and, and had an opportunity for me to go to Florida for prep school, which is Florida Air Academy. Um, he came up to the first time and goes, listen, I have an opportunity for you to go to um, a prep school in the U.S. So now, as you know, prep schools in the U.S. are very, <laughs> very costly, right? Of course. I look at the pamphlet. I look at it. I look at him and I say, listen, my, I come from an inner city. My parents don't have this type of money to try to get me to go to this school. So I gave him back the pamphlet and I said, thank you. He comes back a week later and goes, listen, the only thing you have to do is try to find your way there and we'll make something happen. And that was the start of the Juan Mendez uh, bandwagon or career, if you want to call it. <laughs> Went over to uh, Florida Prep. And, and at that time, I was 14, uh, 14 years old. Didn't play first semester because I didn't have the grades, right? Mm. The first, not even first semester, first 16 games. And then I, obviously I was going to school, playing basketball, second half of the season, jumped in and, and had a great year. We, I think we lost like, two games or uh, my, my sophomore year. Senior year comes around, I become a starter, and it, it just catapulted from there. Now mm. you're talking about playing pickup, not, not pickup, it's going into actual structured basketball for the first time in my life when I was 15 years old. So I had a lot of learning and catching up to do. But as long as, as, as for me, I was just putting in the time, putting in the work and making sure everything was, um, was done right and working hard. I mean, my career speaks for itself. At the end of the day, I, I did fairly well. So that's where the journey started. And obviously I got scholarship to go to different schools and, and I chose Niagara. As I said, you know what? It's close to home, and I was able to go uh, to school with my uh, with my brother, best friend from high school to university, and I thought that would be glory. I got so many questions, man. 
Yeah, this is that. I mean, this this is a crazy start. So, I mean, first of all, shout out to the YMCA. Like the the YMCA's that we got were like they were the place to be, right? If depending on where you live, especially for yourself being an inner city kid, it was like that's that's the spot to go. And so interesting to hear, like basically no structured basketball. I want to just rewind back to the school thing. So, from your parents' perspective, you're 14 and you say, "Hey, I'm I want to go down to Florida here. I got this opportunity." Are they kind of like? we don't know what to do with this kid because he's like, doesn't want to be involved in school or, you know, what's that conversation like? Cause you're young, right? That you're a young, young person at that point. And that's a, that's a big leap of faith. And you must've had a lot of trust in this guy to, to follow him. But as a family, how do you come up with that decision? So basically it, it was hard because first time I leave Montreal, the first time I leave the city, I never yeah. left this always around. Remember, I have uh, five sisters and three brothers, so I'm used to being around my family, very family-oriented, and now you're telling me to jump on a plane by myself, <laughs> by myself, and go venture out into the world at 14 years old. So the nerves were through the roof, obviously. Yeah. Scared. Whatever you want to call it, you know, first time on a plane, anything. So I had to take a chance because it's like, okay, well, if I stay in Montreal, what's going to happen? You know, am I going to finish high school am i gonna do anything positive with my life the way it's going it didn't seem that way so i take the only chance that was given to me you know and and run with it so that's exactly my mom i mean she was gonna miss me but she had seven other kids to take care of so (laughs) it wasn't gonna miss me that much (laughs) one less damn mouth to feed you know (laughs) yeah man that that's crazy and then i think also throw in the idea of like never really playing any structured basketball because you weren't in a AAU or, or high school setting yet. And you go to this, what's the first month like there of actual like living. Yeah. Okay. Live, yeah like, well, I just everything like now you're in Florida, you're in the, you're in the United States, you got to go to practices, right? Like you, you know that without school, then practice probably isn't happening for you right? There's a lot happening here at, a, at 14 years old. It was, it was crazy because one, it wasn't just a regular prep school. It was more of a prep. It was a preparatory school, meaning it was like a military school, an air force. Ah, okay. Air force. Now you're throwing in discipline, you're throwing in structure to the way, I mean, to, to the point where you're not used to, right? Yeah. So you wake up six in the morning, have my uniform all pressed, shaved, shoe shine, the whole nine yards, right? So this is like a, this is like a culture shock for me. So why why does it work for you? I mean, you were not interested in school up to this point. Was the was the basketball carrot that big that you were like, I'll I'll just do this so I can hoop? I, you know what? It was more the it was crazy because I I did it to get my family out of the situation that they were in. That was my that was my driving motivation uh, from the get go from the start. Nice. Hard as it would be, I said, you know what? I'm gonna stick this out. And I'm going to try to make the best of it for myself, for my family, and just grow from it. And you know what? Like you said, was it tough? Absolutely. One of the toughest things I ever did in my life. Uh, I would quit that. First two, three weeks of being there, you know, away from family for the first time, I'd cry in my dorm room. Like, it's just normal, you know, missing family. You know, going through these uh, military-type drills and doing things I've never done in my life. And having to listen to people that I never don't even know, and you know they have higher rank than me, so they're telling me to do certain things, and I got to do it. Mm-hmm. Wake up call to real life, kind of, right at 14, 15 years old. But uh, yeah, there was there was a point where 
into the president's office and I told him, listen, I can't do it. And he goes, listen, this will be the biggest mistake if you take a plane and leave this place. And, and I stuck it out and I said, okay, cool, I'll stay. Stuck it out and yeah, I, I thank him. I, I speak to them on a regular, regular, like every, every two, three months, I, I try to give them a call, see how they're doing. But if it wasn't for those people that took a chance on me, an inner city kid from Montreal, from a totally different country, right? And a different culture, take a chance on me. I, you can't put a price to how you thank people like that, right? So, and we're talking like, uh, what, like 97, something like uh, that, right? So, like, you're not hopping on FaceTime or texting your parents, you know what I mean? Like, it's starting to come around, but it, like, we're not, we're not where we are now. Like, you're not just zooming from your room every night. Like, you're sitting there figuring a lot of this out for yourself as a young man turning into a man. Not even close. Remember, I didn't even have a phone. I couldn't make international calls. So I'd have to go, yeah, yeah. I'd have to go to operations and make a phone call. Right. And I would have one call a week. So it wasn't something that was easy to do at that time. And then trying to navigate through life without having family around who could actually take it easy on you. You have other people that you don't know that you've never met in your life and you, and you have to grow from it fast. You know, so it's totally different. No doubt. And then basketball season starts, training right away. What's that like going from pickup at the Y to Florida style prep school basketball? <laughs> well, from like exactly what you said, why well, I say to basically a division one because <laughs> the coach we had was his name is Don Kelbick. I think uh, an assistant coach at uh, DePaul University at the time, and he took his prep job. You're talking structure. Just structure basically. Okay. So now I don't know what I'm doing, how I'm doing it. I'm just playing with sheer talent and skill, right? Yeah. That's yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm really behind the eight ball. The rest of the guys have been there. They understand the structure. They understand how to play because guys I've played with were like from Russia, from Puerto Rico, and these and these uh these countries, they had basketball leagues. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because they have basketball leagues, that means they have structure, right? As grassroots, they have structure. We don't, we didn't have, if you really think of it, we're growing up, we don't have nothing. We're just playing basketball because it's for fun. I mean, until you get in, in your latter years, but it was like a shock. Same time, it was hard, man. It was hard, but I, I had to, to, to continue to pursue my dream, which was just to play basketball, get a high school degree, and go to university. I had to, I had to stick it out and just work on my game as much as I can every day, right? So trust me, when I, it was something that, I thank I'm thankful for it now, but at the same time, it was one of the, like like I said, it was one of the hardest things to do. You know, mm-hmm. uh, get away from the lifestyle I was living with the military aspect of everything. Basketball was kind of an escape, but at the same time, it wasn't really an escape because it was hard to just be part of that system. Almost half a year, yeah, it was tough. Yeah, I guess I just made the assumption too. I didn't even think about other international kids coming over to play as well. Like, there's lots happening here and how do you start to figure out how to be a teammate? Cause you've never really had to before. So take in everything else that you're dealing with. You've got guys from all these other programs internationally, probably some Americans. You're the, you're the, you know, you're the Canadian guy who lives in uh Niglu or whatever. Right. And eats maple syrup for dinner. But um, like, how do you learn to how to be a teammate and work within that sort of team sort of environment and deal with practices and where you are in the pecking order and stuff. I mean, like you said, I'm sure game spoke eventually and you started to work your way into a nice role. Like you said, by your senior year, you're starting, but how, how does one do that? Cause this is super unique. Like there hasn't been a, 
everyone's latched onto basketball at some point, but no one's really gone from zero structure to what you've done. So I'm from a coaching perspective, intrigued to know how, how you uh, became a good teammate. I'm assuming you well, were a good teammate. <laughs> I, I, look, later years, it was tougher because now you to be, can't be just the next guy. You know, you mm-hmm. can't, you have to put yourself in position to win. So my philosophy from the, from the start was to go there and win. When I got there to that prep school, they, they had one state, they were the state champs. So we were trying to be better than them. We were trying to win state and do it at a higher level, mm. right? So remember that the game of basketball, you could play with somebody because it's a game of basketball. You know, you don't need to speak to play the game, right? It's being on the same page and understanding one another more than anything else. So that's, that, that was my focus. My main focus was work on my game and just win as much games as possible and try impact, impact the game in a way, shape, or form. So if I had to go into a game and I had to rebound and get 20 rebounds, I'm going to get 20 rebounds. Block six shots, let me, fouls, points, whatever you, whatever you need, I am going to do just so I can first and foremost get on the court, right? So that's how the journey started. And that's, that was my mindset from the beginning. And that's one of the things that just kind of pulled me throughout my career. Yeah. You know, I, I didn't really care about numbers. As much as people, you know, they, they, they look at my career and say, oh, wow, you, your numbers are great. Yeah, my numbers are great. Not because I was shooting, you know, 50 shots a game. I was not. And the people go look back in, in, my, uh, in my career, you could see I have, I like my shooter percentage is very high because I'll take smart shots. And whole goal of, uh, of playing basketball was to win games because it doesn't matter how much points you score. It's what you do on the court to make your put, put your team in the best position possible to try to get the W, you know, and this is what I tell the players all the time. I do with student athletes and I tell them, well, I know you want to be like Kevin Rand, LeBron James in our era, the Michael Jordan, but there's a lot of things that you could do as a player, you know, uh, to impact the game without having to score 20 or 30 points. You know, everybody gets fixated on that because it looks pretty. It's nice. It looks dark. But there's so much ways you could dominate a basketball game without having to put the ball through. So that was my way of, you know, creating synergy between my teammates with the coaches and just follow the game plan. I like that being coachable. And I mean, when you think about it, too, like probably, I mean, easily the best decision of your life. You've got a gym to yourself probably whenever you want it. Work on your game. Go to school. Go to sleep. Just no trouble to be had just sort of getting into that routine and working on your game. It must've, you know, once you get into that, you, I I'm just, yeah, I'm just picturing you in the gym 24 seven or am I wrong? Absolutely. Cause you know, the military school, we could only go out on Fridays and Saturdays, right? Okay. We'll be on campus the whole time. So my escape was just to go back. That was my escape. If I didn't have homework or I didn't have anything else to do to stay out of trouble, <laughs> I would just go boys. It was something that I look forward to. It was something that it was, it was fun. It wasn't, it wasn't something that, you know, how people, they dread to go to the gym, to go practice. No, we enjoyed that. We embraced practice. The practice, in high school, the practices were harder than actual games, you know, when it came down to it. That's how competitive at that point in time. Did you go home in the summers? Uh, yeah, I did. I did go home for like, let's say three weeks, almost a month. Did it feel different? It did. Yeah. I, I, tell you a story crazy the first year i came back to montreal this is after your grade 10 year yeah after grade 10 and going yeah. into my gym i went to play pickup ball uh crazy story i went to go pick up ball 
in the hood where I used to play when I was a kid. But now I'm coming back, right? I'm a year in, coming back from Florida. Now, improved tremendously. Okay? I'm a grown-ass man, dog. Well, as you know, I mean, for sure you went through it too. When you're younger, you're playing against the older guys. 100%. So now I'm 15 years old, and these guys are like 27, 28. And that one day, we just we dominated the whole day <laughs> of the court, right? And I got into a little fight with one of the elder elder guys, and I said, I'll never play basketball on, a, on concrete ever again. I won't do it, especially in the hood, because I was risking my future in the game because of these guys, because they, they feel like that's not right. We taught this guy how to play the game. How is he coming in here and taking over the courts? So that was the last time I played basketball, you know, and, and it's stories where, true, true story, I almost lost my hand because we got into a fight, physical altercation, and, and my hand got infected. So I went late to school going into my junior year. Oh. Yeah. And I almost, almost like, I was like a month, I was like a month in the hospital because my, my whole arm got infected. But with that being said, I said never again. I'll jeopardize the opportunity I have to move forward when it comes to school and basketball. Back home and play basketball. So I never basketball in the city. <laughs> if those old dudes were smart, they would have had you as their fifth, you know, instead of. <laughs> okay, you had your day to day on the court. Tomorrow you run in with us, you know. <laughs> back then, right? They were too, yeah, they were salty. They wanted to get you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's. It's a, it was a wake-up call at that point in time to just focus forward when it came to playing basketball and just staying in shape and going back to this prep school to, to try to win a state champ. It says a lot about how hungry you were and, and what your motivations were. I think that's a dope story. And that those senior years, right, the grade 11, 12 years, you know, you get into a starting role. How were those teams? How competitive were they? And then just talk a little bit about the recruiting process. I mean, you mentioned that you know, choosing Niagara, being close to home, but what were some of the other schools? Like who else had their eye on you? Um, and uh, talk about that experience a bit. Okay, so I'm, I'm going to finish off with the junior and senior year. So my junior year, we lost two games. I, I lost five in, in my high school career. I lost five games. So we lost, we, I think we lost three my sophomore year, two my junior year, and then we went undefeated my senior year. We were ranked top seven to top five. I have, I have it somewhere there. Top five in ESPN, Breakdown Magazine, we were number one. In Florida, we were number two. Yeah, so we, we were making noise. Um, yeah. I think we were, we were top 10 easily in the nation when it came to, to schools. We went undefeated, won states. Uh, we beat every level, high school level. Yeah, every high school level. Because you know how 6A, 5A, 4A, 3A, 2A, 1A? Yep. We were 3A, right? Fairly small school. And the so 6A we're like, schools are like, they can't beat us, man. They're, yeah. they're just a 3A school. And then and my senior year, the average win, like it was by 25 to 30 points. Like his, we were a Division One team playing high school. You know, right. so yeah, we, we smoked competition and, and we won states. Uh, we got awards and all that good stuff. You know how that works when you're undefeated. Not a lot of teams could do that. Perfect. And, and, and then obviously the recruiting process. Obviously I had, uh, New Mexico, Fran Frischella was a coach. Fran Frischella. Oh, yeah. Fran, Fran Frischella, I remember no that. No way. Yeah, he came down, spoke to me. Uh, Central Connecticut, I had uh, Arkansas. Arkansas. I went to visit Arkansas State, actually. Was Arkansas like? It, it's great, man. Yeah. It's a big, it's a big school, so it's, it's a different level. Uh, I don't want to go into the negatives about it, but... Uh, sure. No, no, no. Yeah. 
they do things that you're not, I mean, you're not supposed to do. Now, now with the NIL and all this good stuff, yeah. We've had many a guest sort of talk about, you know, the process of it. And then once they got to D1, it was like they realized the machine that it was. That's kind of the way they framed it without putting anyone, <laughs> throwing any under the bus. You know what I'm saying? No, oh, but it's fine. It, you know what? It, 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 it is a machine. You go regardless if you're there, you're not there. Right? It's more of, it's very political, I find. But mm-hmm. it is part of the process. You got to go to a Division One player. But yeah, I had, I had a lot of schools. I had a lot of schools. I had a FAU. I had a lot of schools from Florida wanted me. I went to FSU my junior year and visited actually. Duke, Duke versus FSU, Boozer, Jason Williams. Yeah. You know, watched them play, spoke to them. But yeah, there was... There was a lot of schools that, that I had offers to, but I just, I stuck to Niagara because one, like I said, it was close to home and I could play with my best friend. Uh, but that was the process. The process will never change, you know? And, and now, AL, and now you could, you could come on and say you're paying players. Back then, if you tried to do that, you know what happens. The whole program gets penalized, you're done, and your career will be done if they find out. So I, I try to stay away from all that stuff because I knew Niagara wasn't like that. Niagara, mm-hmm. Coach Joe Mahalik, love him, Hofstra. Niagara legend. Uh, he told me, he goes, Juan, listen, we have a, a an all-conference who's going to be a sophomore. We have five other guys, juniors and seniors, so your chances of playing are very slim. This is what he told me. He was straight. He was so honest, right? You know, did you Jersey. Like, did, did you like that? I love that. Love yeah. that. He was so transparent about the whole situation. He didn't know what I was going to be, right? Come to find out, I was a throw-in. I was a throw-in because they recruited Alvin, right? They were looking for a point guard because their point guard was leaving the year after. Mm-hmm. And just that extra guy who wanted to go to Niagara. So they gave me the scholarship so I could be with Alvin. They gave me this. <laughs> I can hear you. I can hear you smirking through yeah. that comment. <laughs> the man is still, the man still has a chip on his shoulder about it. I love it. I love it. I'm here for it. So we, uh, coach tells me, Juan, I, I don't know how much you're going to play, but the only thing you got to do is come and play hard. I'm used to that. I was used no, to. No problem. I said, that's easy for me. And already the dorm lifestyle, we lived it at the prep school. So yeah. it's ahead of the game because I'm used to being away from home one. And two, this is what we were doing in college. And now, now I mean, in, in prep school. So now it's like, this is easy. Now we get to party because now we're on campus and you get females and this. There's going to be a lot of distractions, but I'm still going to focus on what I have to focus on, which is the game of basketball. Mm-hmm. So it's gonna be easy for me. But he didn't expect that, right? Coaches really don't expect coming from a freshman. So I got in there, didn't play much. If you know Je- Jesse Young, my first collegiate game was against Jesse Young, but I didn't play. I was on the bench. Yeah. Against George Mason, because he was with George Mason. Okay. That's the Canadian guy that people are talking. That's that's the Jesse Young. And I, I went at him, right? Because he's, remember, he's still on the national team as a freshman. Mm-hmm. Played with the Rowans, the Steve, and all these guys. And I'm like, I need to get there. Somehow I'm going to get there. So... Um, with that Love being said, here. Love it, man. This is yeah. <laughs> I, I don't play for the first, let's say, six or seven games. So coach throws me in because the guys are not doing so well. And I start doing the little things, right? I start rebounding, taking charges, uh, stealing blocks, whatever, whatever the team needed me to do at that point in time, I was going to do it. And I remember coming from prep school, that's what I was doing. So it's like, it's not hard for me. This is just me playing basketball. So we end up going to St. Peter's. You know, the Cinderella team that everybody talks about that had an amazing run last year. That was the game I broke out and I had 23 points my freshman year. But because I didn't play much, I didn't really know certain plays. Because coach, coach goes one, 
we're not mad at you. And he, he just reamed out the whole coaching staff for not having me prepared for the game, using me utility player. They were using to be part of the system. So from that point on, I skyrocketed there. I think I had 23 points. Then uh, by the end of my freshman year, I was averaging nine and six. We played Prosper, Carangua, Siena. In the, in the, yeah, shout out to Pros. I'm going to try to get you on the show, Pros. Um, yes, sir. So uh, we went to the uh, conference finals against Siena and Prosper beat me. So he has that on me forever. That's <laughs> So that's my surprise. Um, so my freshman year ended up well, got six man of the year, and I started my sophomore year. Let's take a time out. Yep. Let's roll back here because I know you work with some youth and you've coached as well. And I'm a high school coach. And I think men and women go into their freshman year and they think, and you've already touched on a little bit about the scoring, right? Like the, the pressure that people put on themselves to put the ball in the hoop as to do those other things. I think it's very important to pause and talk about those moments for you when you finally got those minutes doing the little things and, and just getting a feel for it. Like that, taking a charge and grabbing a couple D rebounds gets you more prepared to finish that next bucket. If you try to force that first shot up, it's going to be short and then you, and then you're in your head. Right. So I think it's important to go back and like people, people, people don't, we always want what's now. We don't see the process of like, you know, if you go to the division one, it's a four year process. If you go play in Canada, you get five years and how much you can grow in that time. And just be prepared for when your time comes to do something to help your team win. And you continue to mention that. So I just thought I'd reinforce that again for the listeners and the young listeners out there, how vital that is. And if those first few games for you don't go that way, who knows how things go, right? Absolutely. It's so important because, you know, and I always said, I always said, that I don't care if I get the first basket or, mm-hmm. or to take the first shot. You know, you want to be in a flow of things. You know, you want to be part of the game before you decide to take that shot. Happens yeah. is, is if you take a, let's say you take a charge, there goes your confidence. It's going up. You know you could do that. Rebounding, okay. Well, I can rebound against this team. Next step, maybe get an assist, get a steal, get a block. That makes you grow, grow your confidence throughout the game. And then when you decide to take that shot, you know you're able to do everything else. So when you when you get to that point now, you know you could play the game. You know you're part of the system. You know you're part of the next play. So what am I going to do in the next play? You know, how am I going to impact the next possession to make sure we're up so we can win this game? And I mean, that's, 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 the, that's the best way I can put it when it comes to, to preparing yourself to try to play a game instead of just trying to shoot the ball and assume you're going to score and try to be the hero of the game and score 30. I mean, sometimes it's not going to be your night. So you got to find other ways to try to improve and, and make your team better. Free game, people. Taking them to church on a Tuesday. I love <laughs> it. I'm here for it. And the man himself. The numbers, the, the numbers speak. He's spitting nothing but truth here. So, and I think Juan, your your story is so unique in the fact that, like, what you learned in your high school career, like you've touched on, just was such a smooth transition to university. Like you were used to the training, the dorms, everything, which is not always the case, right? Someone staying at home. Even if they go to prep school, they get a different prep school experience, right? It's not as as strict or whatever. It's a little more kind of laid back. It's more of a high school atmosphere, whereas yours felt like a college. So just stepping onto campus was like, as as my guys from Outcast would say, ain't no thing but a chicken wing, you know? Easy, easy money. It was it was an easy trans- uh, transition because it was like going from university back into university, but just with older, older people, right? I mean, 
it was very easy. I thought it was easier going into university than I went into the prep school, right? Because, yeah. but I mean, it was it was a great experience, and that's why I'll, I'll never take away from what we did in high school into school going into university. It just got me prepared for exactly that's why it's called the preparatory school. It got me for that moment, right? And yeah, to, to this day, like I mean, it was great, and I would never change any experience that I've had in the past. Yeah. Right. My journey is unique. My journey is special. And I, I'll carry that to my grave, you know? So. Yeah. And after that freshman year, would you have ever envisioned when you step on the court for your sophomore year, how things would have gone for the next three years and how your senior year kind of ended up like what an amazing sort of skyrocketing. I don't know if that's the correct term, but just sort of finding your role, your fit, every guy that I've talked to, Okay. About you, Joel, Chris, Doug Plum, man, absolute beast. Guy's a legend. The guy could hoop. He was crazy good, right? And like that's that's one thing I want to continue to bring up because your name's sort of for some reason sitting under, and I want to like prop it back up because man, you could hoop, and I watched you play on TV. So, did you ever envision that, or were you? What was was your focus like? I'm a day to day guy, and I'm going to continue to build and build and yeah. build. That's so. So that's the way I live, right? I'm a day. Uh, it doesn't matter. I mean, people always, well, you have to think of the future. I do think of the future, but I try to do the best I can in the moment to be able to propel into the future the way I want to be. You know, it's like you can't, especially basketball. Basketball is one of those sports where you have to try to believe you're going to improve every day, regardless of the situation. Regardless if you had a bad day, your mom's sick, your father, you got to go in there and try to get better. And that was my mentality from the get-go, right? So people would always say, in my career, I always improve every year. I'll look at my defaults, I'll look at the, the negatives, and I'll try to turn them into positives so people won't have much to say. You know, I live life. This is the way life should be. I mean, you don't know what tomorrow brings. We don't know. You know, it's just more of um, going through the process. You know, you got to enjoy. You got to love the process. Like, and this is what people don't understand. It's not just games. You know, people, uh, a lot of people just assume and look at the greatness that goes along with it, but don't know all the failures and everything that happened behind the scenes, right? Now, if I told you this, my sophomore year, I was still taking a back seat to upperclassmen. Yeah, you know, so I, I was looking at the numbers, man. Yeah. <laughs> and wasn't the first, the first option, right? Mm. I was always second or third option because I was just, that much more skilled and talented than the other guys that coach trusted me in a sense of, we know he's going to get it done regardless because of fortitude sophomore and junior year. That was the case. Right. And if I told you my sophomore and junior year, we had a better team than my senior year when we actually won, you know, a lot of people, but yeah. Was, was the conference stronger or like, or just, no, you couldn't get it together as well. At, like with that talent, like what was it? So we had uh, I'm not basketball it. weird, man, like the timing, like just so many things that like people don't realize there's so much that has to fall in line for those things to happen. You know, so much components to mm-hmm. a game. I understand that. Right. They just see certain aspects of the game. You know, one of the biggest things that, that we were lacking, even though we got along and, and we followed rules, there was still that chemistry missing. There were certain guys that wanted to just, you know, go off script and do things that they weren't supposed to. So things wouldn't work by far. By far, my sophomore and junior year, we had the same team. We were a very young team, same team, and we would always end up going to the conference finals against this guy named Luis Flores, played for Denver. Very good player. Um, we would always 
play against him, I will lose by a point. We lost by a point my sophomore year in triple overtime. One of the most, it's a classic in the max. And then we lost against him one point. I forgot where it was the year after. Yes, yeah, so so this is what I try to tell the, the kids now. I say, listen, it doesn't matter how talented you are. If you don't have the chemistry and you don't work hard and you don't have players playing their roles, you're not going to win. It's going to be really hard to win a championship or to win anything. It's funny. I was listening to All the Smoke with Darvin Ham like literally yesterday. Yes. And they asked him, they just said, hey, you know, like you're in the finals with Detroit playing against Kobe, Lakers, yeah. Shaq. What, Remember that. Yeah, what did you notice? And you know what he said? He said something felt different between Shaq and Kobe. It's like we we sensed it and smelled it that they kind of weren't getting along, and it was like you know, one of them would get a touch, and the next one wouldn't rebound for each other. And they, he's like, we just knew we put, we just put the, our foot on their throat, Absolutely. and they crushed them that series. I right? Remember that? I remember and 2004. Like, yeah, I remember that? Yeah, it was like four one or something, right? I was they a just, junior. Yeah, I was a junior in, uh, in Niagara, but yeah. So it's it's true, man. Happens at all levels, right? All levels. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. That's why these kids. I try to teach them and say, look, if you're not good at scoring the ball, try to do something else where you can impact the game to where you can help your team win. Because at the end of the day, it's not about how much points you score. It's not about what you did on the court. It's what the team did because it's a team game. And at the end of the day, if you want to become some great player, some great person, you have to get those Ws to get to the point. And then, and then everything, the accolades come later. But it's those Ws that really you know, show what type of person you are and what type of player you're going to be moving forward. You know, I know players sure. who are uber talented who could score the hell out of the ball, but you put them on a team and, the, and they just they just don't fit because they're just, it's me, 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 right? And this, this is why a lot of these guys that you see are talented to score and they don't get Division One scholarships or they don't go pro because they don't have a team concept to where we need everybody to, to play and win here. Everybody needs to eat, so to speak, right? <laughs> Yeah, hundred so, percent. I mean, that's that's what I take away from from those years, and, and even going into as a pro, I always wanted to win. I didn't care what, whatever you want me to do. I'm going to try to just do the best I can and win. And it just so happens sure. I was a pretty good scorer later, later, <laughs> later in my career. Um, sure. I just knew how to put the ball um, in the basket, you know. So and and things like you know reputation, word of mouth, right? Like oh, being absolutely. a good teammate when you're trying to get a pro contract, and there's thousands and thousands of guys out there working for the same contract oh, you know you want someone to say no you know what he'll give you everything he has regardless of what it is and but that's how it works exactly yeah exactly do you look back a little bit and have a like a good smile on your face you know when you look and you see the history of niagara and like that tournament appearance and what you guys were able to do must feel pretty special it, you know it's very special because when you're in the moment right you go from my freshman to my junior year it was like a big weight on my shoulders when we finally won my senior year because we, we were knocking mm-hmm. on the door every year, right? Knocking on the door every year, we'll always end up losing because of that little chemistry that we did not have between players, right? Because players would go off screen. And then when we finally won, it's like, wow, this is special because it took, it took the school about 30 to 35 years to actually get a banner up, you know? And it's not like we were, we were a bad team, you know? It's just... It's the it's the players. Remember, people, you got to buy in. If you don't buy in, you don't win. And especially in those like mid majors to low level conferences, it's one and done. There's no, you're not getting a buy. You're not getting, uh, uh, you know, you're not getting ranked top twenty five so you can get a buy into into the tournament. No, no, no. You got to win out three straight games. 
you know, it's like it's a straight gauntlet, right? And and this propelled me to go into a pro, and just it was easier for me. For example, uh, playing on the national team with the, the guys you've had on the show, Levon, Carl, like, you know, it's like you're, are you reading my are you reading my mind, sir? <laughs> so <laughs> I'm gonna transition right into that. Yeah, keep rolling. I shouldn't even cut you off. Crazy, so let's go. Crazy. So <laughs> so playing with these guys, me coming from a small school, sort of. It was a small school, mid major. You say Levon? Did I hear you say Levon? Yeah, I played. I played with Levon yeah. in the Nationals. Yeah, Kendall, yeah. Kendall. Up in, uh, yeah, BC. He's from BC. He's from around your way. So I'm still talking. Hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. It's my guy. Call my roommate. Um, Dope guy. So he. Uh, I mean, we at that time. Remember when you go into these uh, Americas, you know, tournaments of Americas, you're playing like eight, nine games in like eleven days. For me already, that was. I was like, okay, well, I'm ahead of. I'm, I'm ahead of the curve here because I'm coming from conference play. And I got to play three straight win to get to the NCAAs. So I was always intense to the point where if we have to play eight, eight games in nine, 11, 11 days, I'm ready. My body's ready. You know, and if I'm playing 35 to 40 minutes, you know, for me, it's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. It, it like helped me adjust to the Americas, even though the Americas is totally different. You're talking the skill level is from like, one to a hundred, right? Because you're playing NBA, sure, yeah. Kobe, you're playing LeBron, Carmelo, D-Way, you're playing Ginobili and all these high-level talents. But it helped a lot, you know, and I, and I thank Jay Triano, which you had on your podcast, I think, previously, for giving me that opportunity. You know, I don't say it enough to him. Like, you know, I let him know once in a while, but he's one of those guys who believed in me. You know, he came and watched me my freshman year. It just so happened, he went to go see this guy named Mike Schmidt, you know, who was a senior in that yeah. Right, he was a senior at Niagara. Oh no way! Yeah, he played because he got he transferred. I think Texas and M to Niagara, and they came to watch him play. Put him on the national team, and then they saw this guy named Juan Mendez as a freshman. And Jay Triano, shout out to Jay. Um, he gave me the opportunity that summer in two thousand two, two thousand three, to play in the Pan Americans, and that was an experience that that helped me, you know, really propel my career. Some intense, volatile. Crazy crowds, basketball, yeah, huh? Like yeah, what yeah. an experience. And, Listen, I, and I can tell you this, And you got the maple leaf on your chest, it's man. Insane. You got the maple so, leaf on your chest. So if you didn't know, right? If you did not know, I'm half Dominican like that. But my family. I'm, I was born yes, in sir. Canada, but my family roots are Dominican, right? Yes, sir. So my first international game in Stad Olympica in Dominican Republic, and the fans are booing. Of course it is. Okay. So now I'm only I'm only like 19 years old now. All right. I'm a mm-hmm. kid who's like I'm used to traveling, but this was a different type of traveling when you call international basketball. So we had uh, Peter Garacci, which you had on the show. You need to get Rowan on. Rowan Barrett, Sean Swords. You're damn right. We need to get Rowan Barrett yeah, on the show. I was gonna Come throw that. I was gonna throw that at you, um, but you said Prost, so I'm gonna try to work on Prost. I could even send him. I throw a message out to uh, to Rowan if you really needed that. Get them all. <laughs> Rowan Barrett. Yeah. Rowan Barrett is like legend. Come on now. Legend. Legend. Yes. So, yes. <laughs> so my first experience was going to Dominican Republic, playing with. Remember, these are the guys who just went to the Olympics. You know, you're talking uh, Greg Newton, Peter Garacci, Andy Kukowski. He's still over in BC. Andy, Andy Kukowski. Mavis or Quick Quickowski? Kukowski. I think he went back out east. Okay, so he he was on the yeah. team. We had a lot of guys. Uh, Greg Francis, my my first roommate on the national team. Shout out to Greg. Uh, yeah, so I came onto this team, and remember, I'm 19 years old. The guy who was similar to my age was Denim, Denim Brown. But Denim was already, he was already part of the national team. He was already playing 
he was running mate mm-hmm. in the Olympics uh, qualifiers with Steve. So he was already incubated in this in this team. So I come in, play over in DR. When I say, and you can ask Jay Trianoris, he goes, this was the loudest crowd I've ever played against ever in his life. He could tell you, if you ask him, tell him to tell you, like, it was something incredible. People just concrete. The concrete, like when I say concrete, concrete jungle, the vibrations in that arena. Jay would speak. Really? And we couldn't even hear him. We couldn't even hear Jay. There was nothing. When I say nothing, like I'm not even lying to you, you could just see his mouth moving. That's it. <laughs> nothing else. And I'll never forget it. But it was one of the greatest experiences when it comes to basketball. I mean, uh, if sure. I could do it again, I'll do it again. Talk about like a full circle moment too, right? Like oh, for you, you know what I mean? Like that's. That's pretty special. It's crazy because I had the opportunity to play for DR or Canada, but I didn't know Dominican Republic yeah. because I was never born there. And I said, if I'm going to play right. for anybody, I'm playing for the Maple Leaf because I was born here and this is all I know, you know, when it comes down to it. It was yeah. a proud moment, but at the same time, it was, it was hectic. It was different. <laughs> it was different. Yeah, no doubt. We want to take a moment and thank our sponsor, Parkside Brewery. Located in the heart of Port Moody on Brewers Row, Parkside offers an amazing atmosphere with one of the best summer patios around. If you can't make it to the brewery located at 2731 Murray Street, then hit any government retail store and try the Don Pilsner, the Dusk Pale Ale, or my favorite, the Dreamboat Hazy IPA. A Hoops Journey promises that the beer at Parkside is much, much, much better than the owner, Sam Payne's Streaky Jump Shot. We hope to see you Parkside. After a brief hiatus, Good Lad Clothing has returned, but under a new location, 3283 Main Street is where they can be found. Name drop a hoops journey to get 10% off any clothing items in store. The store no longer offers barber, but you can find the best retail around. Thanks to our sponsor, Good Lad Clothing, and we hope to see you there. So many experiences for you, man. And then um, a lot. You get close to like kind of that that senior year, and obviously, oh, yeah. you're probably noticing maybe there's a few people in the gym that you haven't noticed before oh, that are watching, and and uh, you know you get in some summer league a little bit, and just talk about that process about you know thinking about the NBA, and then okay. I mean, man, you played got to, and then you got to see the entire world. I mean, your resume is like you got to play in so many different places, which, which is exhausting but also beautiful. I mean, you get to see so many different places and get paid to play basketball right Absolutely. so so for me my senior year was different because um we were we were like mac favorites to win right mac mvp uh conference so for the first three years it was never like okay this is niagara's like the, the squad this year it's like okay there's a chance that they could win the title whereas like that senior it was like yeah nah because this you is know the squad. you yeah. have these these uh, magazines that uh of course that always you know project so our projections, Green Smith, we, man, they, every conference yeah. in all of America, they know every player, the best, they know every, listen, whatever. That's the best book. That's like the Bible. That's like the Bible. 100. So my point guard would get that book <laughs> and that was the motivation also, right? So he would get that book before the season starts and they would always rank us like third, second, fourth. So, um, so that's, that's more fuel to the fire. Now, now you're motivating goes us. Up, on, you know, up that, on the wall. Yeah. 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 That's it. That's it. So. <laughs> He would put it up in the, in the dorm room wall. That would motivate us because they'll put guys ahead of us. This is not happening. We're going to be better than these guys. We're going to do better. You know, and, and that's what, that was the case. But I wasn't satisfied. What I really wanted yeah. to do was win the MAC because 
my purpose of going to Niagara was to win a MAC championship because I did it in Florida. I won states with my best friend, which is a brother now. And I said, we're going to do the same thing when we get to college. I don't care where we go. We're just going to get it done. And it happened in my senior year. Uh, then Portsmouth came calling, Chicago pre-draft. And yeah, man, it was, it was great. Portsmouth, I averaged like 23. Raptors, radar, like crazy. They came to Buffalo three or four times working out. Very close to signing with them, but at the end of the day, it didn't happen. Was I sad? No. Uh, I'll tell you why. It's because it was like, okay, I'm still going to put, I'm still going to be able to play basketball, do what I want to do when I, when I'm out of college. You can, a lot of people cannot say that. You know, they can't say I'm going to go do what I want to do when I, when I graduate from college. You know, usually you get stuck in a job, a nine to five, and it's just, it's just hell. So yep. <laughs> for me, it was, <laughs> it was great. I said, okay, well, that's good perspective, though, man. Yeah. Like it helps you mentally, right? You're all, that means you're just you're in a good place no matter what happens. Yeah. You know, it's like That's I'm it. actually fortunate enough the Chicago Bulls have given me a call. But if this doesn't work, I've still got like there's still like That's right. there's still a big of, window for me to get a job and get paid. And yeah. And remember, my goal when I started all this was to help my family and get out of you know where I was living when I was a kid. So talk to them. That 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 was it. At the end of the day, if anybody's gonna you know want my services to do that and get paid and that could help my family out. Mission accomplished. Doesn't matter what league, right? Pass me the pen and paper. Yeah, that's it. That's it. So, <laughs> was I disappointed? No. And you, if you could go back, there's some Raptors interviews that I did, and I told them I said, "Look, my agent was more furious because at the time I was with Bill Duff, mm. like they were more furious than I was." I'm like, "Look, guys, I'm happy. I'm able to go work overseas and make six figures. A lot of people can't do that. Coming out, of, you know, being a 22 year old coming out of college." And, and being a pro and being a, being a integral piece to a team to try to win games. Most probably, if I go to the NBA, remember it was different. They weren't looking for undersized bigs, guys. You know what things I was doing. You know back then I was still shooting the three. I was going and in, playing inside. You know in today's game, I could play. But back Shaq in the middle. You know you had the Tim Duncan's. Yeah. You had all these huge seven footers that it would be very hard for me to compete. At the sure. same time, would I be able to do what I can? Yes, of course I would adapt. Because that's just the way I went. That's the way I am. But uh, yeah, man, I was happy. You know, I did a summer league with the Miami. It's funny too, right? Like, sorry to cut you off. It's Go funny ahead. too, right? Like, say you say you do crack a roster, right? You you, you know you crack okay. a roster as one of the last guys with the Bulls or whatever, and then maybe like you get waived. It's like, uh -huh. does that change? Does that change the perspective for people overseas? Where it's like it's everything's a fresh start. It's like, well. It didn't happen. I didn't crack it, but now I can go improve. And there's not this sort of like, well, he, you know, he he didn't last with this team, but you right. know, so I, I don't know. It's just interesting how things work, man. And so usually, if, if you decide to do that, right? Let's say you get on an NBA roster for like, let's say training camp. You get onto this training camp. The NBA would have to provide some type of money because it's in September. Usually, seasons overseas start late August, beginning of September. Your roster is already set at that point. Right. Yeah. If you go through preseason NBA, you, let's say you go for the first month, month and a half, and then you get cut. A lot of those jobs that you're looking for with, with good money are not available. You know, unless there's injuries or something happens, you need luck on your side at that point, or you're just going to get a dead end job that's not going to really give you much. It's a risk. I mean, if you're willing to take it, go ahead. But I wasn't. I wasn't willing to even try that. I was like, look, whoever wants me, I'm going. You know, because they really they're showing they're showing the desire of having me on their team, and they believe. I'm able to. So, I mean, you know, it is what it is. You know, I wouldn't change it. I, I wouldn't. Yeah, it goes back to that early loyalty, right? You know, you're a 
bit of a kind of lost emotionally kid. This guy comes across, says, hey, I got this opportunity for you in Florida. You show trust to someone who shows trust in you. And I think that gets ingrained in you, right? And then you 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 have these steps through. Jay Triano shows trust in you. Absolutely. The coaches at Niagara show trust in you. So you're just going to continue to follow that path, right? You're like, Absolutely. wait, I if someone wants me to play for them, I will show them I'm why. Going. Oh, why I'm here. I'm going to yeah. show you why I'm here. It has nothing to do with scoring. No, no, no. We're going to win games. Okay. You're going to put me on your table. We're going to win a lot of games. Not just because of my scoring. It became that later because I now now I'm just working on my skills now. Now, when you leave Niagara, now all I do is I'm in the lab. I'm working on things that I need to work on to get better and become a pro and even a better pro. No more class to go, to, day, you got to go to. You get to go to hoop class. Yeah, <laughs> but that's it. So now, now you're telling me to do what I love to do all day. Like, yeah. now that's easy. <laughs> you know, yeah. that's easy. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you're paying me for it? Uh, that's, that's too easy. You know, so, I mean, that's, at the end of the day, that's how it goes. You have to love it. You you have to love the grind. People have to understand this. These kids have to understand if you really want to be great, you really want to be good at what you do, you've got to perfect it or try to, because you'll never perfect it, but try to try to get to the best level you can get to, and you got to enjoy the process. It's not about just these games. I was made in the gym because of my practice habits, not because of the games. The games was just like a showcase more than anything else because it was way, way easier in, in games than it was in practice. And that's what kids have to understand. You know, it can't be the other way around or you're not going to be successful. You can't think you can just turn it on in the game and assume you're going to score 30. And then in practice, you're just lagging and you're in there, you know, just doing whatever you want to do. It doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. It's the opposite. Yeah. You learn from practice. I'm just trying to give you that coach because I know you coach these kids and they, they got to get that ingrained and understand that practice comes first before you become the player you are church there it goes again it's true though man it's 100% true and then you you know you like you mentioned no regrets you have an amazing career overseas get to see the world travel play hoop and and I think the good part is like now we all know just how good the rest of the world is at basketball right so it's like you know you you tell someone like, oh, I'm going to Israel to play or I'm going to oh. Italy. It's like, oh, whatever. And you're like, wait, like, you don't understand some of the dudes that we're hooping no. against, right? But it, it, it's, it's crazy you say that. The game wasn't like that when I was coming out. Mm. Right? If you think about it, coming on 0506, people weren't talking about overseas. They're saying the NBA is the best league. The NBA is the most skilled league. The NBA has everything. You don't need to go anywhere else to actually learn and, and be a better player. I used to say, not true. Not true. You have the most talented and skilled guys. I mean, talented guys in the NBA. The most, like, athletically gifted players in the league. That the NBA had. But when you talk about skill and IQ, let's, let's go overseas. And then you're talking real basketball. But now, if you notice, the last maybe 10, 10 years, they've been incorporating a lot of Europeans and that FIBA mindset to where the guys who are athletically gifted need this IQ. And now the game is translated to that. So this is why I tell people... And they always say, well, why didn't you go to the NBA? I go, it, was, it, it just wasn't the time. You put me in the NBA now, it's totally different now because it's high IQ guys. You know what I mean? You got big guys to shoot. You know what I mean? The skill level is way more advanced than it was 15 years ago. Remember, you had the brute Shaquille O'Neal grab the ball and just dunk it on everybody. You know? yeah. His team and your team. So, I mean, that was just, it, it was just a different time. You know, and it was, yeah. it's good to see that the game is evolving. 
Sure. Yeah. Like guys like Ginobili and Parker were like unicorns, you know, and now yeah. it's like they're everybody's like that. Like, yeah, everybody's like that. So this sure. is what people have to understand, right? I mean, real savants of the game understand where the game is going and where it's where it was, and it's mm-hmm. great. It's great to watch. Savants, he's bringing out the dictionary too. Let's I'm go, trying. man. I try. Come on, I'm, I'm just once in a while. A PE te- I'm a PE teacher, man. Take it easy on me now. <laughs> 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 When did you know that it was time to just walk away as a player? Like, was it your body? Was it your mind? Was it personal reasons? My, 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 my daughter, when my daughter was born. So uh, she was born, like I tore my Achilles, right? I could have played. I was playing. At, at what age? I uh, was, what, 30, 30, 30? Okay. I still had a couple of years. Like physically, I, like, I'm still, like, I don't get aches and all this kind of, you know, I'm, I'm good. Remember, I'm a bull when it comes to it. So, <laughs> Uh, my daughter was born DR, man yeah yeah, yeah. Oh. it's all that food it's all the it's all the plantains and yeah, rice yeah. and beans and chicken yeah man <laughs> all the caribbean food so i i had my daughter and everything i do in life i dedicate 100 percent to what i'm going to do right and i said you know what mm-hmm. i think this is it for me i said i told myself i said look i could have went to iran and i could have went back uh, to Israel, I had opportunities to go play. It wasn't about the money for me no more. I didn't want to go through what some players were going through when I had played in the previous years about them missing their family and just doing it for the money. So I decided to say, you know what, I don't want to live that. And they're missing, you know, their kids' first birthday, school meetings, teachers, all that, you know, all that good stuff that that, that you miss when you're overseas because, you know, time flies and you're never going to get that back. So I said to myself, I don't want to go through that. I cannot go through that. I cannot. I want to see my daughter grow up. I want to see her from day one till the day she gets married, you know, God willing, still around. And and yeah, I wanted to live the family life. I wanted to be I wanted to be a family man. That was it. My basketball journey had to stop. Mm-hmm. But when it came to coaching, I said, you know what? If I'm home, I'll jump into coaching, stay around the game to try to ease my way out of it. Because Right, the tra- transitioning from being a pro, making all this money, to becoming an assistant coach with Dave Deviro. Shout out, shout out, Dave Deviro, another national yeah. guy. We walked the, He's the been, great wall. We had him on. Yeah, yeah, we, I know. We we had a we walked the great wall in 2004. Me and him when we played the four nice. tournament with the national team. So that's one of the great stories Amazing. I have with you and me and Dave. So, isn't it funny, man? All the all the things that you've been through, all the stuff, the success on the court, and like things that pop in your mind are walking the wall, Great Wall of China with Dave DeVero. You know, like that's crazy. Like, who could say yeah. that? Not a lot of people yeah. can say that. I love him. No like, man, he's, he's one of those people that that I respect and I love and I idolize and I give a lot of credit to. Also, like he helped me shape my career and who I am now. With that being said, yeah, I just wanted to be a family man and be able to do what I love to do in Montreal as a basketball player. If I have to coach, let me coach. Let me see what that side looks like. I did it for a couple and of years with Dave Javiro as the head coach yep. of the McGill Redmond. At McGill, um, right? Yeah. Yeah. Very successful. Won a lot of games. And now I'm on to my next venture, which we will talk about when that's <laughs> when the time is right. But you got it. It has, yeah. to, it has to do with basketball. Nice, man. Uh, tie your sneakers. You're going you're gonna to love it. <laughs> it's so hot. I've got bare feet, but I'll still be ready. I'll buckle up. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, great. Let's get into some lightning round, man, and then we can chop it up and get you on your way. How's that sound? Ready. Ready when you are. Okay, man. Let's get right to it. We are we just yeah. talked rice, beans, chicken. How do you feel Absolutely. about ketchup on macaroni? You know what? I, I really don't eat that much, but okay. no, not for me. 
Not for me. <laughs> Carry on. I love it. Classic. Uh, you got to be classic. You got to be classic. You got to keep it original. <laughs> it's called Mac and Cheese. Exactly. It's called Mac Cheese Ketchup. Come on now. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, dead or alive. Yes. You got the best seat in the house. Okay. Take whoever you want. Doesn't matter who it is. Your choice. Who are you going to see live in concert? Michael Jackson. Oh, man. The, the Montreal, lo- they love MJ. Michael. Yeah. It's, you know why? Because in our era, when we grew up, there was two MJs that we idolized. Yes? Yeah. <laughs> and they brought that same aura to what they did. They loved it. They were passionate. And they could, man, could they get a crowd going? And, and those are the two people. Michael Jordan, Michael Jackson, two people. When you talk about concert, that was a guy that just lit up lit up the world, man. It's not even just the crowd, right? I'd love to see that in person and see people's responses and how No doubt. Like in terms of just the the scope of performance, right? The voice, the dance, oh, yeah. and the skills, like the choreography, like Absolutely. Absolutely. He's yeah. he's he's the best. Like he's the best. He can have me out on my seat the whole concert, so yeah. Is there a second? Give me a second. What's a second choice for second. you? Okay, so Whitney Houston. Ooh. Yeah. Whitney Houston. Did you guys she's get to really see her? close. I never got to see her. I would love to. I would I would have loved to see her. In her prime? Vo- oh my god. Vocals, man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah brother. Yep. Let's not fool ourselves. Do not bad on the eyes either. I mean, this is oh, a G-rated no. podcast, but she was a nice looking <laughs> lady too. She's sexy. Yeah. Yes, she was. Yeah, man. I can't. I can't be for sure. <laughs> yeah. All right. Good choices. I like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who have been some of the most important people in your life up to this point? Uh important people. Well, it, it all depends on that question. Is tough because you want to talk basketball. I'll go Rowan Barrett. He's one of those guys that when I was on the national team was very instrumental to how I carried myself because I would I look up to him and see how he carried him. Was he well, your vet, sort of? He was a vet. Right? Yeah. So I was 19, he's 35, he's a vet. So I got to look That's up to so, that. So good at basketball. Oh, my God. Listen, I've seen this guy. i seen this guy do so much. And you know what? He was always positive. Even even when I made a mistake, because remember, you're a 19-year-old kid coming into a senior national team that's already been created by Jay. And I have to try to get myself to play with these guys who just went to the Olympics the summer before Australia. He was great. Him... Yeah, Greg Francis. When it comes to basketball, obviously my best friend Alvin Cruz, who's in Puerto Rico, he just retired this year. And and besides basketball, oh, Jay Triano as a coach, amazing. Joe Mahalik, those five people there, very instrumental to my basketball career. When it comes to life in itself, my mom, because mm. my mom had eight kids, single mom. She showed me what it is to be tough. Come on now, it gets me all teary eyed when I think about it. But she, she showed me. Please do, how man. Be, how, how to be? How to be the guy I am today? So I never give up. I just keep yeah. fighting. I got a little big goosebumps, man. My mom's up in heaven, <laughs> but I got. Yep. I only got a five. I got one five and a half year old, and some days yeah. I'm like, damn. Yeah. My <laughs> condolences to that, but yeah, mothers are special. Eight of you goose running around the house, man. Come on, that's a that's a special person right there, no doubt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Big time. time. Are you like books or movies? Which one are you? I'm a movie guy. You know, okay. it depends on the book. It depends on the book, but I'm a, I'm more of a movie guy. Me too. I'm like, I'll read the, I'll read the first five pages. If I can't get in, I'm out. Yeah, that's I get. Got to get. They get to get me, or I'll just be all over. I lose my mind. I got to go back and reread. I'm just like, it's just not. Yeah. yeah. So what do you got? What's in the pocket? Something new, or is there a classic? Like, what well, do we... we could go. 
there's genres, right? So for me, oh, I'm a big, I'm a big yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty good with movies. Uh, obviously, if you go romantic, I'm a, I'm a notebook type of guy. Notebook. Yeah. What do you want? What do you want? It's not that simple. What it's... do you want? The romance. Okay. Uh, the pianist. Oh. The pianist. Man. I'm a big fan of the pianist. Wow. Big fan. Oh. Big fan. <laughs> wow. Yeah, people would never guess it, but yeah, I the love big it. man with the soul and heart. Let's go. Yeah. Oh, okay, you know what it is? That movie is just—it's one of those movies where you're going through one of the toughest times of your life. You don't know if you're going to live, and and you find a way to survive. That's just life, right? You got—you got to. Sometimes you're in situations where you have no choice, and there's some things you have to do just to get through and get by. This guy was a legend, man. Brody, Brody in the movie was awesome. Loved him. The power him. of a good movie, man. I love it. And it's a long, it's a pretty long movie. People don't notice yeah. it. It's a pretty long movie. Yeah. So for you to really sit there and watch it and try to understand the history, you know, that's something else in itself, but the history of what's going on and, and how it happened and the timing and having to live through that, it's insane. My there movie. you go, people. I don't, you, that's a first. I, I'm here for it. And I love <laughs> yeah. that you, I love that you thought this through, man. That's great. That's yeah. great. The homework, homework. Homework. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Didn't do it in grade eight and nine, but the, the no, man learned, you know? No, yeah, you got to learn. The man learned. <laughs> and I know this is a, this is always a tough one, but if you had like a, let's go. Okay, let's do this. I'll, I'll change it up a little bit on you. And I think you'll be able to adjust. You're on got the, it. you're on the blacktop where you're back there where you said you'd never go again. Okay. But you're in your prime, you and four guys, who are you taking? My four guys on my team. So we're not talking like FIBA rules or NCAA. No, just, just like, hooping. Yeah, you might get an infection in your hand from a scrap. You know, like things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So call your own sort of like you and four guys who we roll. Oh, with. so okay. So guys I played with or yeah, just guys you played with. Yeah. Guys I played with. Okay, Denim Brown, number one. Boom. There's your buckets. Yeah, Denim Brown. I need Denim on my team. I'll go. I'll go by position. So I gave you Denim Brown. He'll be my shooting guard. All right. Okay. Point guard. I'll go with my main man, Alvin Cruz. Okay. Alvin Cruz. You better. I got him. You gotta mentioned him to me. Yeah, you got yeah. <laughs> Got to do it. Just, yeah, okay. uh, he, he, he'll get us the ball. Obviously, me, I'm power forward. My center. Who can I get to my center? That's a tough one. Center's a tough let me, let me Let me go back. Small forward, Rowan Barrett. Take Rowan. Ooh, this, is a, this is a tough oh, squad right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Denim. <laughs> this is a tough squad. Row. Row is prime now, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. Not even. Not even. I'll say, I'll say Row. Between 32, 32 to 35. Because Ooh, he's still good like enough. Sid, like Sidney Dean. Yeah. He, he, look, I'll tell you why. Because obviously he couldn't really shoot the ball earlier in his in his career. I mean, I love you, Ro, but I mean, you weren't the greatest shooter. When he got, when I saw him in the national team, yeah, yeah. Through development. He okay. knew what he was doing. Uh, there was a point where he was like, he was like a surgeon on, on the basketball court. Just dissecting guys. So that's the role I want. Yeah, so small forward Roman, Denim shooting guard, Alvin Cruz point guard, me power forward, and my center has to be someone defensive, like a, very defensive. Because yeah, I'll, I'll go with. They're not getting the ball. <laughs> yeah, they're not. They're not. They're not touching the ball. They've got to so, do so all so the I'll things you've been talking about all podcast. Do all yeah. the other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so, so 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 I'll give it to Sam Della. But... Hey. Yeah. Sammy. There'll be a lot of block shots. That's right. So I'll put Sammy Sammy at the center spot. Let's go. Good I like it. That's a tough squad. It's not bad. It's a pretty good squad. Those are the guys that I played with. Sure. And I think by position, because look, in my prime, I was a very good scorer. So me me and Sam could really play off each other. Yeah. 
Oh, and we're talking blacktop, good. right? It's a little yeah. more physical, right? Yeah, that's you know, it. Like, yeah. He can, he can do it. He can do it. He's about that life. Yep. Uh, nice. Denim, Denim is, you know, Denim, Jaden Finch. He goes. He's a goer. That guy, yeah. I can, I can go, I can go anywhere with that guy and play basketball. I mean, in our primes, you know. So, and then obviously, Rowan, you have to have the professional. You have to have the leadership there. Those are my guys. <laughs> Those are my. I five. love it. Love it. Well done. Uh, you finish running, you, whatever, 15 straight on the blacktop. You go stop for a Gatorade. <laughs> what bag of chips are you grabbing, though? Doritos. Which ones? Cheese. The nacho uh, cheese, the, the red yeah. bag? Yeah, the red bag. The OG, right? Nice, nice and simple. I don't want to complicate things. I know I'm going to get super thirsty because they're very, you know what I mean? <laughs> they're, they're, they're like that. But uh, yeah, I'll do yep. Doritos. That's the OG. Doritos Can't go wrong. Mr. Reliable, you know? Oh, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, two more questions, man. This has been yeah. awesome. Um, Good, I like it. You've talked a little bit about sort of you've dropped you've dropped some knowledge for people that are younger than us about you know maybe things they could do. What is something maybe ten, fifteen, twenty years ago that you you wish you knew then that you know now? Is there anything that pops in your head? Absolutely. One of the main things that I always it's not a regret, but it's something that I wish I had ten to fifteen years ago was um, just just. People around me who knew the game and could actually help me, guide me through. Because obviously, not having people around me to really help me catapult my career, which was fine, it was great, that was tough. Because I had to navigate through life without knowing and just, you know, going through the moments, trying to guess on what works and what doesn't. You know, if I had some more guidance, if you want to call it, when it came to, to my career and how things could have turned out. And not make the mistakes I did make. Mm-hmm. It's, it's that. Sure. It's, you you need guidance. I know you as a coach, you guide these kids, and you try to put them through situations where they're going to be successful. Sometimes as a young kid, you don't see it. You know? Sure. Especially if, say, you especially if you especially yeah, if you don't have it. Oh man. Yeah. It's a dark place. It's a really dark place. And it's hard. Right? I think it's easier. I think it's easier for me at 44 as a coach now to to reach out to my coaches that I grew up playing for, or you know, and say, hey. What would you do in this situation or ask a fellow coach, a colleague, right? Whereas yep. I think when you're young, you're just trying to figure out so many damn things, man. Where do I fit in in, in the pecking exactly. order of population? What's happening to my body? Where my emotions, like all these different things. And you, you just want to be, you want to be belong. You want to belong in a situation with people as, and to be able to be 13 or 14 and say, Hey, I actually need some help here. Can you, can you help me is tough. Right. Oh, and so for one, as adults and teacher coaches or coaches, we need to be aware of, of the people that are in our gyms and our buildings and understand that each person is going through something different and, and to make sure we build those connections so that we do know because someone who's 13 is not just going to come up and say, Hey, coach, uh, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm struggling with this. Can you help me? You know, especially if it's something really personal mm-hmm. until you build a connection with them and they and show that they can trust you. Right. Yeah, so absolutely. I think it goes both ways. You know, I mean, at your age, using someone or having someone to have reached out to you would have really benefited. But you don't have that in your skill set that age. You're just trying to figure out life oh, every day. Right. You know, exactly that. Yeah, man. You're absolutely right. You're on good. Point. So that's 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 what I would give to the younger generation, the people uh, who want to be part of culture, whatever you want to call it, just to try to help the younger generations because like 99% of the time these kids don't know, yeah. you know especially in the world we're living in now with all these distractions social media this that they can get lost very quick to have that guidance to really guide you through um, those tough times it's very helpful I agree well said man you've mentioned it 
who do you want to see on Hoop's journey, but you got to help us get them. Okay, so <clears throat> I got two guys, right? He cleared his throat even. I love it. Yeah, yeah. It's just to make sure they hear me loud and clear. They're listening to me. <laughs> so I'm going to try to get Prosper Karangua on here. All right? That's number one. And I'm going to just uh, call out Rowan Barrett. I know, I know RJ's in the league, and he's doing all these things, and he's working with the national team, but he has to take the time and just come on and share his story. Especially those two guys, they, they have unique and, and great stories to share with the world and we, we need to give them their shot so i'll do the best i can to try to reach out and try to get these guys on on here and, and make sure that everybody listens to what they have to say it's very important these guys paved the way for a lot of us yeah man just like today was an honor and a privilege either of those human beings would be an honor and privilege as well man there's so many great people and i love i love your old school soul man and how you recognize that people paved the way for you and guided Absolutely. you and and this is what it's about. This show is about people are like, oh, you're doing such a god. I'm, I'm I'm like, man, I'm I'm a fan. I'm just sitting here listening too. Like I'm yeah. I'm taking it in as well, right? Like selfishly, I'm learning. I'm learning how to connect with people and and make connections and li- and be a better listener. And then having people share their stories because you see someone like yourself or Rowan or whoever get get to these levels. You know, Prosper's working with the 76ers, and you just think it happened like that. And it's like, no, man, lots of things happen along that way. You know, we we get kicked out of school and then we end up in Florida. And next thing you know, life changes upside down for us at 14. People wouldn't know that unless we had this platform to sit down and for you to be willing Absolutely. to chop it up and share that story, man. And and um, on behalf of the show and Corbin and myself, we appreciate you sitting down with us. Any last no reflections problem. or thoughts before we let you go? You know what? I just want to thank you for actually giving us the platform. You know, we're, we're from the old school, so... A lot of people don't really hear what we have to say or, or want to just share our experiences no more. You know, everything is day-to-day now. You know, it's all about the new school, which is fine, which I respect. But at the same time, without these old guys coming on here and actually sharing their stories and making people understand that it came from somewhere, I mean, these are the guys you have to pay homage to. And, and I appreciate you for giving uh, us that platform to be able to do this. Very grateful. Well, thanks, man. Yeah, no, that's those are humbling words. And if... I mean, we wouldn't have a podcast if people weren't willing to do it. So we, we you know, you know, you're, you've already told us two little ones juggling life. So to be able to find uh, the time for you takes a lot and it means a lot to us. And um, just keep sharing your story, man. Keep working with the youth, keep connecting with people. There's a, there's a young one out there that's going to need a voice like yours or from someone else. So if there's Absolutely. anything we could learn from this one, it's if you're involved in teaching, coaching, working with young people, build connections, look out. Um, never assume that everybody's okay, you know, and, and develop trust with the young ones and, and look out for them because there's kids out there that need it. And, and you said a lot of great things today, lots of good laughs, good stories. Yeah. Love the pride you took in the final, <laughs> in the final questions. We could tell you did your homework. Oh man, I love it. I love that kind of stuff, right? <laughs> so it makes, that's, what makes, fun too. that's what makes us who we are. So, I mean, look, again, thank you. You got it. I would have, I'll do it again. If you ever, if you ever need any, another podcast, I have no problem coming on it. And doing it again so i mean it's not a big job 100 yeah we'll do like uh we'll get you on we'll do like a draft we'll draft some random movies or oh, that's great and yeah. maybe, you know we'll do something like that something fun we'll get a couple guys on there we'll get doug or maybe a couple of your throwback Absolutely. buddies on doug, we'll, we'll do that. yeah yeah man he said he's excited to hear more about your story too he actually i told him we were getting on today and he said okay. i can't wait to hear more so perfect perfect you know i need send me a copy of that whenever you guys get it done so i can uh, listen in or is, is it 100%. Gonna on, is, is it going to be on the podcast? Are you going to put it on the podcast sooner rather than later? Or yeah, we're our goal 
pressure's on for Corbin, our producer. So we're, you know, we try to do them bi-weekly. So we're hoping okay. he can get this out by Friday. At Freezing Cold Takes. But I'll, I'll let you know 100% cool, cool. when it's out. Every platform, you can share it and um, and let uh, all the people that mean so much to you we'll do. Your, your journey, man. Yeah. Continued success, health and happiness. Hey, brother. Hey, always, always. No, but listen, I have something coming up that I, I didn't talk to you about yet. But once it's up and running, which is, it'll be running, let's say, November, December. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll shoot you a text and let you know exactly what's happening. It's actually pretty good for the city. So uh, yeah, thank you again. Do. Appreciate it. Yeah, man. You. The all best. the best. Thanks to all our listeners. Man, 94 episodes in. Thanks for riding us. <laughs> riding us? Yeah, riding us. You're riding with us. And we'll see you on the next episode. Thank you for supporting A Hoop's Journey. If you enjoyed this episode, leave us a review and hit that subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. You can find us on social media at A Hoop's Journey and on our website, ahoopsjourney.com. Thank you to our guest, Juan Mendez. Thank you to our sponsors, ATO Basketball Merchants, Parkside Brewery, and Good Lad Clothing. And we'll see you on the next episode.